Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. I don't know about you, man, but I just sensed something different this morning. Um, it's been maybe a busy week for some of you, and I, I'm just feeling it uh, just because of some spiritual conversations that I've already had this week. And so I'm excited you're here simply because of what is the possibilities of learning who you really are. And if we figure out who we are, then we can see what God can do with us. And I really pray this morning as we dive into that, and we're in, we're in part three of this week uh, of, of establishing what different means in our life as we follow who Jesus is. And so as we sort of look at this, this book, this book called First Peter, and, and if you're ever feeling down about being persecuted or feeling the weight of, of a being a Christian, um, is your, your decision to follow who Jesus really is. It's a great book. It's a, it's a powerful book uh, to read and allow the Holy Spirit to start to, just to move you and encourage you through the writings of Peter. And we've, basically what we've done is, is we've picked some highlights out and we've picked some of those points that really could impact your life uh, in First Peter so it can put into application so you can walk away knowing who you are. And if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to go listen to the podcast or check, check them out online. But what we've learned is this, that Peter was writing to a group of people uh, that were harshly persecuted around 60 AD. You know, right after, right after Jesus was crucified in, in, in 30, 35, somewhere in that ballpark. But these couple of years past Jesus uh, in his time there. And during that culture, uh, what was already a bad environment for these guys, uh, for anyone who was, who was following Jesus, became so much worse because of the, the leader of that time, Nero, right? Uh, Peter wrote to them in, in 1 Peter. He was essentially trying, he was essentially trying to, uh, to, to give the Christ followers uh, hope. He was trying to give them hope by encouraging them to remember, hey, remember this. This world is not your home. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. You're, you're, you're sojourners, right? This world literally is not your resting place. And so when Peter kept on sharing his message over and over and over again to everyone who had ears to hear, uh, this world is not your home, he explained it because uh, God, God is calling you to be what? Different. That's right. God's calling you to be different. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, you are called, you are called to be different. And I know there's people in here that are not followers of Jesus, and I hope and pray by the end of this time today, at least you'll lean in. Lean in a little bit more and understand why we're so different. And you might look around and you say, well, that person says they're different, but they're not really living differently, right? Some of us know those folks, right? Come on. And I would say simply this, don't look at them. Look at Jesus. Don't look at that. Look at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? You see, when I, when I figured out, you know, as you, as you start to go down this road of, of these two simple words, and I call them simple, but they're the most hardest words in the whole Bible, follow what? Me, Jesus says. When you start to do that, you start to live with different values. You start to live with a different purpose of who you are. You, you have passions that are, are seriously not yours, right? It's not just a passion, right? Girlfriend, boyfriend type relationship. It's not passion. It's passion for purpose, it's a plan. It's a divine plan. You will use your time differently in ways that you never dreamed possible. You will use your resources differently to literally live for God. 
You will invest your time, your talent, your tithe in ways that you've never dreamed. You'll be different as a parent. You'll be different as a mom, as a dad, as a spouse, as a child, as a worker, as a teacher, as a farmer. You'll be different. You'll you'll look at things differently when you work, where you live, and definitely where you play. Just because everybody else is saying that word doesn't mean you are going to do it. You see, God is calling us to be different. And for the sake of this world where we are right now in this, this, this chaotic world, right? This darkness we call world. Where social media and media in general just floods in with just negativity. I'm telling you, He's calling us out to be different because people are looking for hope. Here's what I would tell you this week. I've been praying a lot about today's sermon and this talk, um, this message, and and along with some other people that have been praying over this, and and I really believe it has the potential to spark something in in you, something significant in the lives of many people in our church today and those who are listening online. I just feel like if if we can get this one thing, if we can get this one thing, it can be a game changer. It can be a game changer in the kingdom of God, not just for center point, but literally for, for the big church, the capital C church. And so if, if I could just start today off with a little bit of, you know, just remove the bumpers a little bit and just ask a little something funny. You know, everybody made it through the apocalypse, right? We're good, right? That was last night. Just making sure. So uh, if not, we're all in a lot of trouble. So um, if I were to ask you, right? If I were to ask you, just raise your hands. Just a quick show of hands. You can, you can do one of these little quick notions. You can go all in, you know. It's just up to you because we got some energy people that are just on the front row. They just can't get enough, right? Um, if, if I were to ask you, just raise your hands, how many of you would be excited or overwhelmed with anticipation if you realized that God was calling you to do something really specifically with your life, with something so specifically that you just like, you're so excited to know the truth, what it was? Okay, hands up. Come on, Anybody? Okay, half the crowd, not bad, you know, half, what, y'all don't want to talk to God? I'm just asking a question. I mean, come on, you know, I'm just curious. God comes in and says, hello, and you're just like, no, I don't want to do that one. Mm-mm. Not walking on water, not going to do it. Uh, that'd be cool, man, just being honest. Uh, I wonder how many would say, I'm completely in. I'm, I am so in. I, I, Jesus, that is so, I am following you. I don't care, I'm leaving my job, I'm leaving the farm, I'm leaving it. I'm all in, I'm going, I'm going. I want to know what God is calling me to do, right? I want to know what it is he wants from me. And if you knew this, you would completely change the way you live. You would completely change every, from, the, from the next opportunity, the job, that job that's just right there, that, that person you're going to marry, right? What, 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 what your kids will be doing in 10 years because of the investment that you've been guiding them with. Or even where you'll be in 20 years, what I want to talk about today is, is how God is, is literally calling us out, how he's setting us apart, how he is, he is doing something that's different in our lives that can change lives that what? Come on, say it with me, church. That can change lives. That's right. And so as I was getting ready for today, uh, what I began to notice over and over again in the scriptures in 1 Peter 
it, it, you know, I just allowed it to sink in because some people study, and, and, and I just sort of just read through the Bible there in First Peter, and, and I just started writing down and highlighting in, in, on my cell phone and my Bible, and, and I just started to notice some words that, that Peter, Peter uses over and over and over again, and there was a, there was a word that was just used so many times, and I was just like, wow, that, that word is literally, it, it must be something of significance. It, it, was, it, was, very, it was kind of intriguing to me because, um, I mean, Peter is not the smartest person in the world, but he uses this word over and over again, and he decided to make this an emphasis word, and if you don't pick up on it, you know, you're probably just glazing through the Bible like a Krispy Kreme donut. It's just one of those moments where you need to be really paying attention to this word, and this word comes in three different forms, in my opinion, and it's call, calling, or called. It's call, calling, or called. I mean, he says this over and over and over again, and whenever you recognize that you have been chosen, when you recognize you've been chosen or called to do something, it builds eagerness inside you. Like you can't wait to get up and go to church this morning because you know you've been called or you're chosen. It, it builds, it encourages you because you know that the, you already know the end of the game. You already know the end result. There's, you just get to live through this moment because you're caught, you already know what's going to happen. It empowers you to go with confidence. It empowers you to go with confidence because you have a God, not just of this world, but of this universe that put everything in motion, including you. It's like, for me, if you wish to go back to grade school, you know, I often talk about grade school because I had a really good time in grade school, like, not like other people, but I really enjoyed grade school. I had some cool, cool teachers. But if you remember the, the, the best class in, in grade school, come on, it's, it's recess, right? Everybody loves recess, right? That's my favorite class, right? Uh, but it's like when we go out to recess and the next thing you know, the first thing, you know, you get, everybody lines up and you get what? You start to play kickball or dodgeball or some other things we won't talk about. You know, you just do those, those things, right? And you, you get the name and, it, and the, the, there's a captain and all of a sudden the first person that I, I pick what? You. And you're the first person that's picked. Remember those days? What did you feel like when you were the first person picked? You were like, yeah, I am awesome. He is my best friend, but I am awesome, right? I mean, did you feel that way? And for those who never got picked that way, I'm sorry. You know, you never felt that. I pick you today. You can be on my team. But there's moments like that when we just feel like we're the best player out there and, and nothing's going to stop you. I mean, it's like you rip this vest off and you got the big S underneath, right? I mean, because you got picked first. It's, it's like being invited to that birthday party or that party at work because not everybody got the little invitation. It, it's getting that invite to that special group that your heart longs for to be a part of as an adult. It, it's when you get that, whatever it empowers you. It makes you feel different inside, doesn't it? If we're honest, it just makes you feel different. It, it makes you feel called to do something more. And so I want us to look at something very powerful in First Peter. And you're called to do something more. Do, do something more because you are chosen. You are chosen. When you talk about calling, a lot of times people kind of wonder, and what am I called to do? What am I called to do? 
Am I supposed to do that? Or uh, I don't know. And maybe you ask other people. You ever, you know, anybody like that? You ask, am I, do, am I supposed to be doing this? Do you feel like I'm supposed to be doing this? And you ask like six different people, and everyone, everybody's got different answers, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? What does God really want for me to do? That's the question you should be asking, right? And I want to show you that there are three different types of callings, and we're going to, to lean into that third type really hard today, and then we're going to tackle the first two real quickly. But to be honest with you, they're all important, but I really love number three. And so if you're taking notes today, the first one is this. What we need to be called for is, is an eternal call to Christ. It's just straightforward. An eternal call to Christ An eternal call to Christ is where the Holy Spirit is doing a work today all over. I felt like he was doing some work today, even in the worship set. It was just powerful. Engaging people, encouraging people, and creating a spiritual hunger inside of you for spiritual things, like something more, a longing. Because it's God's will that no one should perish. It's God's will that no one should perish and not know him. God wants everyone to say yes to his extended invitation of grace, hope, mercy, and most importantly, love through Jesus. And when Peter writes about the calling, when Peter writes about the calling, he he knew what it was like to be called by Jesus. He said, come on now, Peter, come on. It's good. Just come on, just trust me. I know it looks kind of dangerous, but don't you take your eyes off me. You know, he got called out. Even in in, in Luke 5, when Peter was out fishing one day, you know, at the very beginning, he wasn't catching anything. And, you know, Rabbi, Rabbi's a teacher, and teacher was Jesus. He walks up to him in the middle of the day. Hey, why don't you uh, take me out there, and let's throw our nets on the other side of the boat, right? And Peter's possibly thinking, hey, I'm the fisherman here. We've been working all night long. You're a teacher. You ain't got nothing. You don't, come on. I know you're Jesus, but... I'm the fisherman, right? But he did it anyway. He did it anyway, and he had caught such an astonishing amount of fish that he recognized this was no ordinary man. This was a holy man. And it says in Scripture that Peter fell down to his knees before Jesus and said, get away from me. I am a sinful person. And Jesus said to Peter, hey, hey, from now on, you'll no longer fish just for fish. Now you're going to be a fisher of men. Hey, come follow me. And in Luke 5, 11, it says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything. And what? Followed him immediately. They saw the power of Jesus. They recognized it. They saw the eternal call and they left Jesus called Peter out where he was to become a follower of Jesus. And Peter knew clearly in his brain that we're called to leave our own desires, our own businesses, everything, and devote ourselves to the lives of following Jesus. See, there was an eternal call to follow who Jesus was. The second type of call is this. And what a lot of people get excited about um, is this deemed as a temporary call of an assignment. A temporary call to an assignment. And this is uh, a temporary call, you might understand, more of a, a, a called particular role, a, a season of life. You feel, you feel called to study something in college, right? You feel called to study something in college. And maybe go overseas, go abroad, right? I mean, you, you, you just, I, I feel like I need to go to, you fill in the blank. 
or you feel like you're supposed to go part of, be a part of that mission trip that's coming up to Dominican Republic. You feel called, right? And you sort of just like, ah, oh, man, I'm all in. And you feel called to be a nurse. And some of you are like nurse. And some of you, you're 50 years old. And you're just like, I feel like I'm called to be a teacher now. And you go back to school. Craziest thing in the world, by the way. But you go do it. You, you, you feel called to be a witness wherever you are. And you feel called to go be a part to that certain part of the world and make a difference. This is a temporary call to an assignment, and we all feel them in so many different forms and ways. The third type um, of calling is one that I believe, honestly, is, is, the, is the hardest one to live out. It really is, and because of who we are inside, of who we are. But, but God is calling you daily, daily to live a different standard, to live a different standard. And when, when you think about calling. Um, we, tend to, we tend to think of the what? The do, right? We think of the do. What am I called to do? Have you ever dealt with that question, by the way? I mean, we do it every single day. Come on, be honest. We, we typically ask the question, what am I called to do? We all do it from every aspect of life. This question changes everything who we are because sometimes we make mistakes because we listen to the wrong person. But before we go there, I think God wants us to start off somewhere different. And I think, I think, and I also believe strongly that God starts with the who before he gets to the do. Now, I know it's heavy. I know it's, I'll say it slower for the minds that are kind of catching up right now from last night's horrible ball game. All right? God starts with the who before he gets to the do. Do you understand this? It's, it's a weighted position. But our God is more concerned of who you are before he's concerned with what you do. He wants to know. He wants to know who you are before he starts to work on your dues. I know it sounds like we're going back to Dr. Seuss in first grade. Remember, I love grade school, right? But I really do believe God is concerned with who you are before he starts to working on what you do. And here's why I believe that. Because if, if the who is not right, the do will never be right. Are you with me, church? Come on. If the, if the who's not right, the do will never be be right. You see, God's concerned about our motives, our heart, our integrity. He's concerned with the who. He's concerned with the who. The who leads the do. It just does. And for today, if we can all lean into this one idea and think about it by saying it this way, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know exactly what to do. You see, Peter was writing to a group of first centurions, believers that would have been tempted to forget with their brains because of their circumstances that they were living in under the persecution. They, they were probably tempted to forget who they were, who they were because of why they were so hated. 
in the culture. And if you think about Christians that, that are hated today, right? Even where we live, you know, how TV and social media, you can't really say certain things without being what? Persecuted or defending your faith or taking up for Jesus. You get banned from certain places and maybe even in social, uh, on, on the media, you start to bring up Jesus, they suddenly lose the, the feed on TV, right? Have you seen that yet? It's kind of weird. But I, I think it's because it's the culture thing. It's a dark area where Satan is messing with everybody by coming to steal, kill, and destroy. If you think about how Christians are hated where we live, honestly, it's, it's trying to take the, 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 the Christian message out of the world. It is nothing compared to the persecution that these first century and church believers uh, were under. But one of the things that society uh, believed was actually, during that day and time, I, I think was a misinterpretation of the time. It just was. It was a misinterpretation of the time. They, they just had no idea who Jesus' followers truly, really were on the inside. And their misunderstanding were almost kind of comical for us today. It just, it just really is kind of comical. Um, a very common idea uh, from the pagan world, and those who didn't follow Jesus, um, it, was, 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 it was more about superstition. It was more about superstition that they, and, and that they were ancestral. I mean, just let's be honest. That that's just how they thought. And last, they were cannibals. And I'll explain that. And, you know, it's a true story. They were superstitious and, and, and ancestral and cannibals. And, and superstitious by, by all the miracles that Jesus was doing. Like, so that he must be a magician. He must be like the master magician. And Jesus was like David Copperfield or David Blaine or, you know, some other cool magicians out there on the street. But it's just funny. He had nothing up his sleeve. He just had holes. Right? They actually thought Christians were in, in ancestral because they had things called these love feasts and come to my agape feast, this love feast. In other words, a love feast, and what you think uh, came to the love feast was, but my brothers and sisters in Christ. I know we live in Kentucky, but this is not this type of thing. This is my brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's a love that I have for you. It's an agape love that we share, and we bond, and we just do things that are so super wrapped around the supernatural, but they couldn't see past this agape feast with brothers and sisters. And they were like, whoa, this is really weird. How, how weird is that? It's mistaken, and that's what was taking, taking place during this day and time. This last piece was they thought they were cannibals, and I can understand this one just from the angle of the scripture passage because of the famous line that Jesus did say in Matthew 26 where he said, hey, take, take and eat my what? Body, right? Which is broken for you. And so here we would have a world that hates Jesus' followers, wants them dead, completely misunderstands them. And before Peter tells them what they're called to do, he, he's going to remind them who, who they actually are. And so, now, any good sermon that we ever craft around here always has a little piece of scripture to go with it on a Sunday morning. And so if you got your Bible, let's dive into 1 Peter real quick and let's see what God says here. 1 Peter chapter 2, chapter 2 here. 
If you're taking notes, here we go. Uh, And if you want to know who or what you're called to do, first start with the understanding of who you are. Who you are. And I want you to understand this this morning. And and man, I just want you to lean into this, this next literally sentence. Underline it in your Bible. If you don't know it, memorize it. If you've got your, if you got your uh, cell phone out, man, highlight this one. Mark it all to pieces. And I want you to walk away remembering this today. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It says this. But you are a chosen people. You're chosen by God. You are a chosen person. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. He is throwing acclimates after acclimates at you. He is just throwing them at you. You're God's special possession. Think about your most prized possession. It ain't got nothing on what God thinks. He's he's like you. It's you. You are my possession. You are my number one draft pick. And I chose you. That you may declare the praises of him who called, there it is, you out of darkness. He called you out of the ways that you're living. He called you out from the where you live into his what? His marvelous light. His wonderful light. His, his exuberance light. You see, for those of you, of you who are followers of Christ this morning, what what I want you to understand is, is you've been chosen. You have been chosen to be in God's family. You are a royal priesthood. This, this, this one passage right here, this royal priesthood would have meant so much to the first century in churches because they had so tremendous respect for the priesthood and how it was established. And now they're going to be called a priesthood of believers, meaning they're actually ministers of God. To even have that thought in their brain, it's, it's, it's like they're, now they're formally trained and they're ready to go into the dark areas of, of the world filled with the Spirit of God. They're filled with that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and they're called to be difference makers in this world. But they're not different alone. They're different together, and they're changing the atmosphere. And they're part of a holy nation The kingdom of God, it's bigger than who you are. This world is not their own, but they're part of something broader and something bigger. And they are a people that belong to Jesus. Their bodies are not their own. They have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. They belong to God. And since they belong to God, they're under his care, his righteousness, his goodness. And that is who they are. They are chosen They are priests. They are royal. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And so what did God do? See, God called you out. Come on, say it with me. Say it with me. He called me. Just whisper it to me. He called me out. Say it again. He called me out. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? For God called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. I mean, who wants to step around on Legos all the time in the middle of the night? I don't. I want to turn the lights on and be able to see what I'm about to step on so I can avoid the pitfalls of life. 
I don't want to go into the dark areas. I want to stay in his wonderful, marvelous light. We have been called. We have been chosen. We have been invited. We're no longer slaves to darkness. We're now in the light. Our lives have been transformed, and we are not who we once were. We are a new creation. The old is gone, right, what the Bible says. Everything has new has come. We have been transformed by the love of Jesus, and we've been set apart and called out. And so what I hope you understand today is when you know who you are, you will recognize what you're called to do. And the good news is, is, is that the doubting world that's around us and today, our culture that doesn't like Christians whatsoever, typically they, they don't call us superstitious anymore, do they? They don't call us ancestral or cannibals, right? I don't, well, if you like steak, I guess. I mean, come on. But, you know, it's, they, they just don't go around saying that much, right? It's pretty uncommon interpretation. But the bad news is, is there is some doubting world today that looks at followers of Christ that literally take it to a whole nother level and cause them self-righteous, judgmental, ignorant, intolerant bigots. And that is the world that we live in and, and, and we have to wrestle with that today as Jesus followers because the truth is Unfortunately, the way we live in our social media world, one picture of a few doing the wrong thing destroys so much for us doing the right thing. It just sort of gets glamorified, and that's how the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why you have to step into the light, and you have to do things differently. There are those out there who are saying, God told them to go do this, and I'm telling you, it's completely false. It's not of God. It is not of God. See, Peter's going to say some of the same things to these first Christians, first century Christians, the same thing to us. This is your different daily calling to represent Jesus to a doubting world. This is your calling. Every single day when you wake up is to, to put on that full armor of God and be ready to step out into a battle zone because it's coming. And if you don't think it's coming, you're going to fall temptation you're going to fall into a trap. And so here, here is, is, it is if you want to know what you're called to do, because some people wake up like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do today. What am I supposed to do? You tweet it out. I've even seen twi- Twitters, twits. I've seen twits. Yeah, you are a bunch of twits. But um, <laughs> don't judge me. Anyways, I've seen Twitter things. What should I do today? Should I go here? Should I, I mean, come, come on. We, we, we let social media dictate so much of our lives. It's kind of funny. It, it, is, it is kind of sad. But here it is. What are you called to do? If we look at a few verses together as we sort of just close this out today, uh, you'll know who you are and you'll know what you're called to do. And it says this in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12. It says this. It says, dear friends, I urge you, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. To abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, the outside world, 
that, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. There it is, that foreigner word, that foreigner word. You see, essentially, this ain't your home. You're just passing through, you're a sojourner. You're supposed to live differently. Essentially, Peter wants us to live properly among our unbelieving neighbors. And notice Peter doesn't say right here, hey, first, you have to convince them. You have to convince them to believe like you believe. Hey, let's just go to church. I know a lot of people lead with that one. Let's just go to church because we found a cool church, right? Because it would make you better. What he says here is we're going to show them. We're going to show them what we believe by how we behave. And I'll say it this way. How we live changes how others move. How we live changes how others move. You see, when we live honorably, when we live honorably, I believe with all my heart in today's culture that there are times when we need to start with the name of Jesus and we need to just camp out on it. But so often, we have to earn credibility by treating people with love, treating people with respect, treating people with grace before we even get to the right to be heard. We need to show people what we believe and by, by how we behave, by following Jesus. And that builds a, a bridge across the doubting world of people so that they can share, you can have the ability to share with them the love and the hope of Jesus. In other words, before I tell you what I believe first, I'm going to show you how I love you first and how I live, really how I live. And I believe as Christians, this is so important. This is so important, especially today where we live. People are watching our every move, aren't they? Come on. Are they watching your move on social media, in the store, to see how you respond with that person in front of you in the checkout line? Or at work, they're just eavesdropping in on some gossip, or maybe you'll cheat a line. Hey, let's just skirt this five minutes of work. Hey, it's okay. Or maybe I just won't pay that bill. Or I'll talk about that person there, but I won't talk about them here. Is what you're doing real or is it fake? Are you in the light or are you still hovering in the dark corners? You see, people are watching me all the time. People are literally watching me all the time. Seriously, do you think I get criticized, not just by my wife, that I'm dressed right, matching right? I got a comment. I got to look good today. So seriously, do you think I ever get criticized? From the things I say or even do or how I react, what I have noticed, people are watching for me to react. They'll say something like fruitcake. Call me out. And I'll just sit there and go, yeah, guess I am one. Guess what I got for Christmas two years ago? 55. (laughs) It's coming. Don't you wait. I got names and numbers. Seriously, people are watching. Do you think anybody ever makes fun of this church or church at all in general? Do you ever see me get defensive? Now, if you come up to my wife or my kids, you're going to have a six foot eight bald man up your sleeve. But I'm telling you, have you ever seen me get defensive on social media? When I post questions of, about things and, I, and people do attack, they, they attack here. 
have you ever seen me attack back? No. I know some of you have because I've read your post. Because you defend it. But have you ever heard me say, please, we're not a cult. We're not a cult. Just come see for yourself. Come. Or I really am a nice guy. I'm not a mean guy. I had a little kid walk up to me one day, a little five-year-old girl walk up to me, and she says, you're the meanest person I know. And I sat there and looked at her, and I was like, I love you. Because you know where she heard that from? Her parents. How does a five-year-old know that? Come on. I nearly broke when I heard that that one day because these are people that I loved. Have you ever felt that way before? If you just come and sit down and have a cup of coffee with me, maybe you get to know who I really am inside. Someone who's just desperately trying to love Jesus for everything who he is and trying to follow him. And sometimes, I, some days I just mess it up. I just mess it up. But yeah, I got a microphone and I get it on Sunday mornings, but I mess it up. Sometimes I get in front of Jesus and I have to ask for forgiveness for that one. I mess it up. But have you ever seen me literally go on social media defending who we are as a group or defending myself? You're not going to see me do that because I believe the best way to let our actions speak is not with our words. It's with our love. It's with our love. In 1 John 3, 18, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with our actions. You love them to death, even when they're throwing darts. You just got to move quicker. You just do. And in truth, it can't be fake. It's got to be real. It's got to be truth. It can't be your power. That means you got to know who you are. It can't be you. It's got to be him working you. So as a leader of our church, instead of defending to to people who are doubting, what I'm going to continue to do and just continue to say is, is by our actions, we're going to love And our mission is to fully devote ourselves to Jesus and Jesus alone. And this is what we are called to do. Rather than defending the accusations that continue to come, instead we're just going to lead the way with crazy generosity. Like they won't know what hit them. Because we truly believe it's blessed to give than to receive, right? We're just going to love them to death. We're going to do things that no one else is doing simply because we're called out. We're chosen people. We're not going to be spiritual consumers who just come to church, but we're going to be spiritual contributors who change the world in so many different ways. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We're not going to be known as Jesus followers for what we're against. We're going to be known for for who we are and what we stand for because of how we live. See, Peter says it this way, live properly. Catch that word, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. We are going to love loud now when when we don't have anything else to give in our tank. We're going to sit there and we're going to do it day in and day out because we are called out. And we're following 
something so much more powerful, a supernatural love that gives more than we can ever give. And so I'm begging you next Saturday, if you have some hour, just an hour and a half, come out to the overcomers. Man, let's just see 100, 200 red shirts show up. I guarantee it, it will make an impact that will ring for eternity. It will affect some parents who just need to know that they're not alone. It will impact some kids and they won't even know what hit them. They'll be, they'll feel like they're number one that day. You know how people, last night at the football game, I was sitting there laughing. People were coming down to the stands and trying to just give our team high five and the other team as well. And How cool would it be to just get an autograph of a kid? Sign my shirt. Sign this baseball. They'll feel like a champion. They'll feel like the number one pick. It'll move that parent to a place they're just like, what is going on? And we'll just say it's just love. It's just crazy love that changes everything. And in 1 Peter 2.15, I love it when he says this, it's God's will. It's God's will. What's God's will for your life here? For it's God's will that, that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. I love it. It's almost like a smack in the face. But it's so true. I don't have to go before and try to defend anybody. My God's going to do it through love. It's awesome. He's going to allow people to see something so different in me because the way I love them. It's the way you live. It's just not by what you say or post on social media. It's the way you live that sounds the talk of people who simply don't know better. What's our strategy? What's our strategy here? Confidently and boldly share the love of Jesus. Love irrationally. Love, give extravagantly and serve people faithfully and do it again and again and again. And we will will not reach everybody, but with our time and consistently and integrity, we are going to change the atmosphere. We're going to change the the culture and we're going to get the attention of the world. So I'll leave you with a couple quick nuggets. But what happens when we have to go through some pain and suffering? What happens when we have to go through that? What if you have to lose some friends over this? Or give up that ball game that you really want to go to? What if you lose the opportunity to move up in the company? What if you have to suffer for living different lifestyles? Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And I know someone may hurt you or insult you inside, or even worse, may even gossip about you, throw sticks or stones, right? They may even break your bones. But Peter addresses this as well. In 1 Peter 3, 9, he says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing. Because to this you were called so that they may inherit a blessing. When someone throws a dart, 
take it. And what I hope you understand is this, you're a follower of the one true king, Jesus. You know who you are. You are chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people belonging to God. Therefore, you are on a call to love someone who's in need today. You're on a call to give when, when someone has a need. You're on call. You're on call. You're, you're on call to show love to someone who feels lonely. You're on call. Don't wait to come find me, a pastor or one of our leaders. You, you literally, you are on call. It, it's like you've just been given the doctor's pager and you're now on call. You have a daily assignment to live differently. You have a daily assignment to let the light of Jesus shine brightly. You have a daily assignment to show the love of God to everyone you come in contact with, even the person that you cannot stand. Because that's how we change lives that change lives. Now the better question that I'm gonna finish with is this. Who's in? Who's struggling with this? Because if you are, my question is, who are you following? Who are you following? When Jesus was being hated, he loved back. When he was being cursed, he loved back. When he took on suffering, he loved back and then he forgave. That's tough, isn't it? But if we're following Jesus, that is what we're called to do. Do you know who you are? Do you know what your calling is or do you know what to do with it? You see, we said it earlier and I'll finish with this. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Jesus, today we, we ask that you would empower us, the church, to shine brightly into this world Help us recognize that we have a different daily calling. Instead of looking for that big something out there, Jesus, help us realize that you are just flooding in with your calling. You're flooding us with the, this, this love that literally changes the atmosphere. You're, you're, you're allowing us to experience what it means to be the, the first one picked, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I know some people in here have been caught up in sin so long they don't feel that anymore, God. They, they've been straying. They've been hanging out in some dark areas of their life. God, allow us to just to come clean of that this morning and come out because we're being called out to change the world. Allow us to come to the altar this morning and literally pour it out to walk away today feeling like we're the number one pick. We are chosen by you. We are called to go change the world and let us walk out of here knowing good and well that you are before us. Walking every step of the way with us, never leaving us to the very end of the age. Jesus, that's my prayer. And as we stumble and we have a decision to make left or right or straight forward or turn back. And we ask the world what to do. We just sit there quietly and we listen for your voice, your sweet 
voice of follow me and we do not move until we hear that voice. Jesus, that's my prayer. Because when we do that, we will change the world. God, just move us. Allow us to experience you. As we sing this song, come to the altar. In your name, amen. Why don't you stand and respond how God's leading you. Altar's open. I encourage you to get on your knees. I encourage you to follow what God's doing in your life. And let's just together as a church family move closer to him today because people are watching.